Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Vanessa, and we are looking at uh, parts of 1 Kings as well as parts of 2 Chronicles. It's basically two accounts of the reign of Solomon really taking shape. So yesterday we saw that Solomon uh, kind of felt the weight of caring for God's people, and so he asked God for wisdom, and God really appreciated that he asked for wisdom and said like, hey, I'm going to give you wisdom and more than that. Uh, so what we're seeing now is kind of like this fleshing out of what Solomon as a king is going to be like. So as we read over this, Vanessa, what stuck out to you? Well, I must say that the first thing that was exciting to me that the first opportunity that Solomon got to use his wisdom on was two prostitutes. I never noticed that before. <laughs> I, like I've heard this story. I mean, you know, yes, I have. I've heard it too multiple times. Yeah. I did not know both of these mothers were prostitutes. Interesting. So that was exciting to me. The thing that was kind of interesting that both of these women had the same classification. Mm. You know, if you think about Solomon, if he had to make a decision between two women, maybe one was a, the wife of a general, yeah, you know, and a prostitute. Yeah. Of course, he would have probably leaned more towards that yeah. wife of a general. But both of these women in this story were both, they both had the same classification, which, you know, in that situation, it's kind of hard to tell who's really telling the truth. So, um, you know, the very fact that he leaned into God's wisdom and... You know, when you're smaller, younger, growing up, and you're hearing this story about the king wanting to cut the two, the two, you know, to cut the baby in half, it's like this is wicked. This is this is evil. I definitely (laughs) remember the first time I heard this story. I was like, wait. So the guy that wanted to cut the baby in half was good, right? And he was wise. (laughs) Wait a minute. Which you know sheds light on the fact that many times when we're walking or operating in God's wisdom, it looks weird. It looks Mm. strange. It looks crazy to the world because Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not, it's not like the world. I love that his heart in the story is, well, I mean, like, first of all, what's interesting is that he's even giving time to these two prostitutes. prostitutes. It's it's pretty, um, I don't know a ton about like how his court would have worked, but it seems like to have a king giving time to two prostitutes, that seems significant to me. Um, I, I think it's very cool how the heart of Solomon is to do right in this situation. Like right. It would have been easy to be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, somebody um, else take care of it. But it's like, man, I got to figure this out. Like there's, yeah. there's, and I think some of it is that weight that we saw earlier where he's like, yeah, I don't know how to govern God's people. Like I need help. Right. Um, and we see that, that help playing out in, in kind of a clever way. Um, he's the good guy wanting to cut the baby in half. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded weird, but it was, it was a, it was a wonderful opportunity for God's, you know, um, abilities to flow through him. Yeah. You know, um, you know we learn in, in James, the book of James, where it says, you know, if you need wisdom, ask. God's not going to rebuke you. He's yeah. not going to, you know, uh, be mad at you. He's going to give it to you freely. And so the very fact that, um, you know, Solomon, the, the son of David, mm-hmm. you know, the guy that God said, this, this dude, this, this is Vanessa's translation. This dude is a man after my own heart. Mm. I mean, I think about that phrase all the time. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm, I'm walking out my relationship with the Lord. When I get before his presence, when I'm called to glory, I want to hear that. Yeah. Like, Hey, Vanessa, you lived a yeah. life. Like you were a woman after my own heart. Yeah. And so 
Solomon is 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 a product of David. He's his son. So the passion for God's people is there because mm-hmm. he he can you imagine him growing up and watching his father? Mm-hmm. You know? And so, like you said, yes, he wants to do what's right in this situation. He wants to do the right thing. So it, it it's it kind of almost seemed like it was in a crazy way he was trying to get to the truth. Mm-hmm. But you know, I guess in that godly wisdom, he knew that the mother of the the true mother of this child would not want any yeah. harm to come to it. Yeah, I like the the last line of that story. It's um, it's verse twenty eight. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. So it would be it it would be one thing if it was like they were in awe because God had given them wisdom. But not only is it just wisdom, it's wisdom to render justice. Yes. So God is giving him the ability to actually seek real, true justice. Right. And it, it would have actually been pretty normal for a king to actually not be that just at all. Exactly. And so the the fruit of God's wisdom, like the very first way that we see God acting on Solomon's behalf, making him wise. Uh, is to administer justice to people who were definitely less fortunate, I would right, think. Right, like they were right. outcast folks. Right. Um, so we, we go from that story into kind of this grand narrative of building the temple. Yeah. So what is it about this like temple story that sticks out to you or is interesting to you? There was a lot of wood. <laughs> there, there, there was a lot of wood. Yeah, there's um, a lot of there wood. There was a lot of gold, which, you know, girls, we like sparkly stuff. So, you know, <laughs> Solomon had a lot of wives, and I'm quite sure those ladies had, you know, they were like, ooh, you know. But, yeah, there was a lot of detail. Tons of it. Lots of detail. And um, his intentionality to follow the instruction mm-hmm. that the Lord had given. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I mean, me, I was like, well, I want that room red over there. <laughs> you know, I want to give my opinion. I want to, yeah. you know, but Solomon in his wisdom again said, hey, you know, my father was given these instructions. Yeah. Detailed instructions by God. It wasn't just God saying, you know, just this is a little something, something. No, every detail, every piece of wood, every uh, carving and, you know, it, it had uh, it had a meaning mm-hmm. and it was purposeful. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was very interesting to me, too, in this story that, you know, they hired the best of the best. Yeah, they actually like sought them out, like from yeah. other countries, actually. Yeah. 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 You know, and the wisdom and, you know, I'm a manager. So, you know, when I see here that, you know, he kind of got this whole group of people, thousands mm-hmm. of them, it says, mm-hmm. you know, and then he gave them like, you know, one month on a job and two months at home. Wow. What wisdom in that? Yeah. Like, it was like, yeah, we need the work done, but it's important that you be with your family. It's mm-hmm. important that you be at home. Like, there's so much godly wisdom in all of that, you know, as a leader to be able to see the whole, the whole picture, mm-hmm. not just the fact that there's a job that needs to be done, but there to really be intentional about caring about the people who are doing the work. Uh, down to the point of there's a, there's a little line that got my attention that they, they shaped all the stones in the quarries. There was not even the sound of a an axe or a pick, I think is what it said. Wow. So like you you envision this huge and I mean you can actually see parts of this wall that Solomon built are still there. Wow. Um you can actually like and and if you see the stones, they're enormous. Like it's it's wild actually. Yeah. Um but to think about that these are being made in far off places. Uh, to exact measure measurements because it's yeah. like a pretty big engineering feat. Um, and on the job site, there's no noise. 
It's pretty wild. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty cool. No cranes, no, no, yeah. uh, beep, you know, beep, jacks. Beep. And, yeah, <laughs> not, none of that. Like, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so it, it takes him seven years to build the temple. It says he started in his fourth year of his reign and ended in his 11th. So this wow. is a pretty big project. Yeah. Um, it is kind of neat how he's making some space to care for the people that are engaged in this project. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like these, these temple stories, uh, cause it's kind of interesting if you think about like what, what God is up to in history. Right. So you have like, uh, God creates man in the garden yeah, and there is no temple because God's just walking around with Adam in the cool of the day. Like we don't need a temple because God is with Adam and Eve. Absolutely. So that gets broken, right? There's sin enters the world. Um, and we get to this place where there's like a, like a tabernacle, like they're going to carry the ark around. They're going to yeah. set up this tent because mm-hmm. Israel's roaming in the wilderness. I skipped right. a couple hundred years, but, um, <laughs> we get so, it. so God's presence then is like, it's in miraculous ways. Like it's in a cloud or it's right. in a, it's in fire or mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, manifested in the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies. Yes. Um, so now what Solomon is doing is basically like signaling that they are like, they've been in the land for a bit, but it's like, Hey we're throwing down roots like God's temple. This is a yeah. big deal. Yeah. And it, it remains a big deal for yeah. several hundred years and it's, it gets destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed again. Right. Like there's a whole right. temple story. Um, but if you want to track how God reveals himself, so here um, it's, it's through this temple. There's actually going to be some verses where he fills the temple. And it's like yes. this miraculous thing. Um, then, uh, Jesus comes and the temple is like, Hey, I'm going to tear down that temple and build it back up in three yeah. days. And people are like, what? That's crazy. Right. <laughs> but what he's saying is like Jesus body, like Jesus is the temple. He's the the manifestation of God with us. Amen. Then we get like the Holy spirit comes into us yep. and we become the temple. Absolutely. Uh, and then in revelation. So guys, I'm taking you on like a speedy trip through this thing. But in revelation, we see that the new Jerusalem comes down yes. out of the heavens yes. and there's no temple. Right. Uh, so to folks that are used to reading this kind of stuff, like, wait, there's no mm-hmm. temple. Right. And it's because we don't need a temple because we're just dwelling with God again. Amen. So I, I love, Amen. uh, the thought of that. I could dig into, I could, I could do a lot more than 20 minutes on why this is interesting to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but I just love the idea of tracking God's presence and how exciting today that we mm-hmm. get to live with God mm-hmm. in us. That's yeah. cool. That's unique to us. Right. Uh, and how even more exciting is it that we look forward to a time where there is no temple because mm-hmm. God is physically with us. Right. Uh, I love that. Right. right. And I, th- I think there's even like, I, oof, I don't want to lie, but I think <laughs> there's even stuff about how like God himself is the light of the day and we just like yes. live our lives according to his presence. How cool is that? Right. I it love is. it. It is amazing. Uh, so there's some pretty exciting temple stuff. If you think that was like a really nerdy side rant, sorry, <laughs> probably there won't be one tomorrow, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that w- this is what we're getting with. The temple is taking shape. Uh, there's going to be some more of this temple detail to come. Uh, but really what, what is happening here is that God is finding a way to spend time with his people. And yeah. that's, at, that's at the yeah. heart of God. Like yeah. he wants to spend time yeah. with us. Yeah. And it has to be, again, intentional. You yeah. Know? And, and like I said before, you know, Solomon was given, David was given the instructions and kind of passed it down. Yeah. This, this is what needs to happen. And I thought it was very... Uh, beautiful that once the temple was built, uh, Solomon he gave an offering. Mm-hmm. It said he brought all of the all of mm-hmm. the stuff mm-hmm. that from his father, you know, all of the stuff that they had gathered over time, and he brought it to the temple, and he he kind of made an offering. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and there's many times in, in, in some of these verses where it said, uh, Solomon stopped and prayed. Mm-hmm. He, he stopped and prayed before the community of the people. So he was living out his faith. He mm-hmm. was living out his relationship before the Lord, which, you know, for many of those people probably were very encouraging for to have a king, their king display these types That's of things. That's a great things. point. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. To have a, a king who is understanding the spiritual weight of the task at hand. Right. And making space to care for that and tend to that is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, I hope you're getting something out of this. I'm actually pretty jazzed about this whole uh, temple situation. So uh, we'll be back into this tomorrow. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. First Kings 3, starting in verse 16. Sometime later, two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. Please, my lord, one of them began, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning, when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted. It certainly was your son, and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, the living child is mine, and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. Then the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours, and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child in two and give half to the one woman and half to the other. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, oh no, my Lord, give her the child, please don't kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he will be neither yours nor mine, divide him between us. Then the king said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live for she is the mother. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom that God had given him for rendering justice. First Kings 5 King Hiram of Tyre had always been a loyal friend of David. When Hiram learned that David's son Solomon was the new king of Israel, he sent ambassadors to congratulate him. Then Solomon sent the message back to Hiram. You know that my father David was not able to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord, his God, because of the many wars waged against him by surrounding nations. He could not build until the Lord gave him victory over all his enemies. But now the Lord my God has given me peace on every side. I have no enemies and all is well. So I am planning to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God, just as he had instructed my father David. For the Lord told him, your son, whom I will place on your throne, will build the temple to honor my name. Therefore, please command that cedars from Lebanon be cut for me. Let my men work alongside yours, and I will pay your men whatever wages you ask. As you know, there is no one among us who can cut timber like you Sidonians. When Hiram received Solomon's message, he was very pleased and said, Praise the Lord today for giving David a wise son to be king of a great nation of Israel. Then he sent this reply to Solomon, I have received your message, and I will supply all the cedar and cypress timber you need. My servants will bring the logs from Lebanon mountains and the Mediterranean Sea and make them into rafts to float them along the coast to whatever place you choose. 
Then we will break the rafts apart so you can carry the logs away. You can pay me by supplying me with food for my household. So Hiram supplied as much cedar and cypress timber as Solomon desired. In return, Solomon sent him an annual payment of 100,000 bushels of wheat for his household and 110,000 gallons of pure olive oil. So the Lord gave wisdom to Solomon just as he had promised, and Hiram and Solomon made a formal alliance of peace. Then King Solomon conscripted a labor force of 30,000 men from all Israel. He sent them to Lebanon in shifts, 10,000 every month, so that each man would be one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the labor force. Solomon also had 70,000 common laborers, 80,000 quarry workers in the hill country, and 3,600 foremen to supervise the work. At the king's command, they quarried large blocks of high-quality stone and shaped them and made the foundation of the temple. Men from the city of Gebel helped Solomon and Hiram's builders prepare the timber and stone for the temple. 2 Chronicles 2 Solomon decided to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord, and also a royal palace for himself. He enlisted a force of 70,000 laborers, 80,000 men to quarry stone in the hill country, and 3,600 foremen. Solomon also sent this message to King Hiram at Tyre. Send me cedar logs as you did for my father David when he was building his palace. I'm about to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God. It will be a place set apart to burn fragrant incense before him to display the special sacrificial bread and to sacrifice burnt offerings each morning and evening on the Sabbaths at new moon celebrations and at the other appointed festivals of the Lord our God. He has commanded Israel to do these things forever. This must be a magnificent temple because our God is greater than all other gods. But who can really build him a worthy home? Not even the highest heavens can contain him. So who am I to consider building a temple for him except as a place to burn sacrifices to him? So send me a master craftsman who can work with gold, silver, bronze, and iron, as well as with purple, scarlet, and blue cloth. He must be a skilled engraver who can work with craftsmen of Judah and Jerusalem who were selected by my father David. Also send me cedar, cypress, and red sandalwood logs from Lebanon, for I know that your men are without equal at cutting timber in Lebanon. I will send my men to help them. An immense amount of timber will be needed for the temple I am going to build. It will be very large and magnificent. In payment for your woodcutters, I will send 100,000 bushels of crushed wheat, 100,000 bushels of barley, 110,000 gallons of wine, and 110,000 gallons of olive oil. King Hiram sent this letter of reply to Solomon. It is because the Lord loves his people that he has made you their king. Praise the God, the God of Israel, who made the heavens and the earth. He has given King David a wise son, gifted with skill and understanding, who will build a temple for his Lord and a royal palace for himself. I am sending you master craftsman named Huram Abbey, who is extremely talented. His mother is from the tribe of Dan in Israel, and his father is from Tyre. He is skillful at making things from gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and he also works with stone and wood. He can work with purple, blue, and scarlet cloth and fine linen. He is also an engraver and can follow any design given to him. He will work with your craftsmen and those appointed by my lord David, your father. Send along the wheat, barley, olive oil, and wine that my lord has mentioned. We will cut whatever timber you need from the Lebanon mountains and float the logs and rafts down the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa. From there, you can transport the logs up to Jerusalem. Solomon took a census of all the foreigners in the land of Israel, like the census his father had taken, and he counted 153,600. 
He assigned 70,000 of them as common laborers, 80,000 as quarry workers in the hill country, and 3,600 as foremen. 1 Kings 6. It was in mid-spring, the month of Ziv, during the fourth year of Solomon's reign, that he began to construct the temple of the Lord. This was 480 years after the people of Israel were rescued from their slavery in the land of Egypt. The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 45 feet high. The entry room at the front of the temple was 30 feet wide, running across the entire width of the temple. It projected outward 15 feet from the other temple. Solomon also made narrow recessed windows throughout the temple. He built a complex of rooms against the outer walls of the temple all the way around the sides and rear of the building. The complex was three stories high, the bottom floor being seven and a half feet wide, the second floor nine feet wide, and the top floor ten and a half feet wide. The rooms were connected to the walls of the temple by beams resting on ledges built out from the wall, so the beams were not inserted into the walls themselves. The stones used in the construction of the temple were finished at the quarry, so there was no sound of hammer, axe, or any other iron tool at the building site. The entrance to the bottom floor was on the south side of the temple. There were winding stairs going up to the second floor and another flight of stairs between the second and third floors. After completing the temple structure, Solomon put a ceiling made out of cedar beams and planks. As already stated, he built a complex of rooms along the sides of the building attached to the temple walls by cedar timbers. Each story of the complex was seven and a half feet high. Then the Lord gave this message to Solomon. Concerning this temple you are building, if you keep all my decrees and regulations and obey all of my commands, I will fulfill through through you the promise I made to your father David. I will live among the Israelites and will never abandon my people in Israel. 2 Chronicles 3 So Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David, his father. The temple was built on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite, the site that David had selected. The construction began in mid-spring, during the fourth year of Solomon's reign. These are the dimensions Solomon used for the foundation of the temple of God, using the old standard of measurement. It was 90 feet long and 30 feet wide. The entry room at the front of the temple was 30 feet wide, running across the entire width of the temple and 30 feet high. He overlaid the inside with pure gold. He paneled the main room of the temple with cypress wood, overlaid it with fine gold, and decorated it with carvings of palm trees and chains. He decorated the walls of the temple with beautiful jewels and with gold from the land of Parvum. He overlaid the beams, thresholds, walls, and doors throughout the temple with gold as he carved the figures of cherubim on the walls. He made the most holy place 30 feet wide, corresponding to the width of the temple, and 30 feet deep. He overlaid its interior with 23 tons of fine gold. The gold nails that were used weighed 20 ounces each. He also overlaid the walls of the upper rooms with gold. He made two figures shaped like cherubim, overlaid them with gold, and placed them in the most holy place. The total wingspan of the two cherubim standing side by side was 30 feet. One wing of the first figure was seven and a half feet long, and it touched the temple wall. The other wing, also seven and a half feet long, touched one of the wings of the second figure. In the same way, the second figure had one wing seven and a half feet long that touched the opposite wall. The other wing, also seven and a half feet long, touched the wing of the first figure. So the wingspan of the two cherubim side by side was 30 feet. They stood on their feet and faced out toward the main room of the temple. 
Across the entrance of the most holy place, he hung a curtain made of fine linen, decorated with blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and embroidered with figures of cherubim. So Solomon finished building the temple. The entire inside, from floor to ceiling, was paneled with wood. He paneled the walls and ceilings with cedar, and he used the planks of cypress for the floors. He partitioned off an inner sanctuary, the most holy place, at the far end of the temple. It was 30 feet deep and was paneled with cedar from floor to ceiling. The main room of the temple outside the most holy place was 60 feet long. Cedar paneling completely covered the stone walls throughout the temple, and the paneling was decorated with carvings of gourds and open flowers. He prepared the inner sanctuary at the far end of the temple, where the Ark of the Lord's Covenant would be placed. This inner sanctuary was 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 30 feet high. He overlaid the inside with solid gold. He also overlaid the altar made of cedar. Then Solomon overlaid the rest of the temple's interior with solid gold, and he made gold chains to protect the entrance to the most holy place. So he finished overlaying the entire temple with gold, including the altar that belonged to the most holy place. He made two cherubim of wild olive wood, each 15 feet tall, and placed them in the inner sanctuary. The wingspan of each of the cherubim was 15 feet, each wing being seven and a half feet long. The two cherubim were identical in shape and size, each was 15 feet tall. He placed them side by side in the inner sanctuary of the temple. Their outspread wings reached from wall to wall, while their inner wings touched at the center of the room. He overlaid the two cherubim with gold. He decorated all the walls of the inner sanctuary and the main room with carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. He overlaid the floor and both rooms with gold. For the entrance to the inner sanctuary, he made double doors of wild olive wood and five-sided doorposts. These double doors were decorated with carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. The doors, including the decorations of cherubim and palm trees, were overlaid with gold. Then he made four-sided doorposts of wild olive wood for the entrance to the temple. There were two folding doors of cypress wood, and each door was hinged to fold back upon itself. These doors were decorated with carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers, all overlaid evenly with gold. The walls of the inner courtyard were built so that there was one layer of cedar beams between every three layers of finished stone. The foundation of the Lord's temple was laid in mid-spring in the month of Ziv, during the fourth year of Solomon's reign. The entire building was completed in every detail by mid-autumn in the month of Bull, during the 11th year of his reign. So it took seven years to build the temple. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.